Welcome to the Society Column, Swansea's social sciences podcast. My name is Gideon Calder and this episode features Dr Jane Gatley, a lecturer in education here at Swansea University. Jane's work is primarily about the philosophy of education and she's here to talk in this podcast about the value of installing philosophy in the school curriculum, something we don't often do in countries like the UK, but as you'll hear, there are very many reasons why we might want to do more of this kind of thing in the future. I met with Jane in late April 2023 and had a conversation about her work, which you're about to listen to. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Jane. Looking forward to the chance to discuss your work with you this afternoon. I wonder if we could start by you just telling us a little bit about how it was that you came to be interested in these issues. So my research is all in philosophy of education and the time I've spent most of my time in my research looking at why we should teach philosophy in schools and that came very naturally um, from my career as a teacher. So I was a teacher of religious education in England and I did that for about seven years and before that I did for philosophy degree. And so going into schools to teach religious education where my main interest was philosophy, um, there was quite a lot of flexibility to to um, teach philosophy in religious education. But I found more and more that as policies changed um, and as as religious education became more about religious stuff, what I was doing in schools that I felt was very valuable was not really recognised and I kept having to justify it and almost felt like I was doing something quite subversive. Um, and at the same time, I was doing more and more of it. So I started organising uh, conferences for school children where they would come and they would, it, I was working at a boarding school and they'd stay overnight and we'd have like this two day conference doing philosophy. Um, and I started gathering some of their ideas about what they thought about it. And I became more and more convinced that there was something quite special about what was happening. But I didn't. It didn't seem to fit with any of what I was reading and it was very hard for me to put into words to make the case to people. And then I, I very happily got some funding to look into that issue. So I think that that really motivated everything that I did, that sort of starting point. And from there, I've gone more into questions about like um, the curriculum in general and the coherence and justification of education and, and things like so I sort of branched off from that topic as well. So... Most people listening to this podcast, certainly if they're based in the UK, probably never studied a class called philosophy at school. Our curriculum doesn't officially or explicitly have much philosophy in it, even compared to other countries like France, for example, where it's quite a big subject. It's compulsory, I think. So what does that tell us, do you think, about how we think about philosophy and education in a country like ours? I mean, whether it be Wales or, the, or England or any of the UK countries, where in, in none of these places do we really place much of a priority on it? Um, interestingly, what seem, how it seems to have happened if you look at um, the spread of philosophy across the world and the sort of history of philosophy teaching in schools is that in Anglophone countries, it's not taught. <laughs> That's almost a a rule so even in um i think there's a quote in one of the unesco unesco's done loads of research on this and they say that malawi doesn't teach philosophy in schools because it's anglophone um anglophone just meaning english, english speaking, speaking yeah. so the english speaking yeah. world doesn't teach philosophy in schools and then any any sort of education system that's been influenced by france because of colonialism is, is quite a lot will teach it as quite an important aspect and if you look at um 
if you look at what people have said about anglophone philosophy and about what it is if you look at the analytic turn you get um you get a representative uh, philosopher from england saying that philosophy isn't the sort of thing that should be taught in schools it's not like it's not like um some a philosopher is not like a priest they're not there to help people improve their lives they're there to do very technical work more like rocket science that's just not appropriate for children um so there was a real like there was a very conscious push not to teach philosophy in schools and there was a conscious push from philosophers to say well no we're too professional for this this shouldn't be part of our remit we're we're a very specialized little group of people who don't have much um, public influence and shouldn't because that's not our place it's quite surprising that it's not by accident that there's not much philosophy in english schools it's kind of philosophers fault um, they didn't they didn't think it was appropriate so I mean, as you were saying that, and you were talking about like analytic philosophy, for example, I mean that's one way of doing philosophy. I suppose people listening might be thinking, but philosophy means lots of different kinds of things, and there are different traditions, different different ways of exploring philosophical issues and themes. So, when you're thinking about philosophy, are you thinking about that kind of English-speaking, kind of mostly British and American kind of way of thinking about philosophy. When the you know the the there there is Chinese philosophy, there's Indian philosophy, there's French philosophy, there's German philosophy. But what 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 do you mean by the term when you're thinking about it? So I guess my natural perspective is to think of it in terms of the sort of philosophy that I was taught at university, which is which is analytic philosophy. Um, but in my in my work, my arguments, although they come from that direction give reasons for why we should teach philosophy in schools that aren't exclusive of other forms of philosophy that would also play that role. And um, the reasons that I give are compatible with analytic philosophy, which means that actually there, well, I think what that means is that there are, there are probably more reasons to teach non-analytic philosophy than analytic philosophy. There's, there are, I, I think within the continental tradition, there's more of an emphasis on um, finding meaning on putting on building something that's helpful to people there's more more links to literature which is taught in schools and which is recognized as being valuable to people um so my arguments work for the analytic side of things but they don't exclude other ways of doing philosophy that would maybe equally well or even better um meet those aims yeah that's really interesting so um You've written a book, you've developed a whole kind of position on this over quite a long period of time. So you've got a you've got a position. Can is it I mean, I know this is a mean question, but is there a way of coming kind of summing up what one or two of the main kind of takeaway points from your research might be? Yeah, so I think I think the thing that has been interesting to me is how much this is an issue about the school curriculum rather than about philosophy. Um, if you want to make a case for putting something on a curriculum, it's actually quite hard. You have a short amount of time, a limited amount of time. I mean, children are in school for a lot of time, but that time is limited. There's a certain number of hours a day, um, a certain number of years of their life. Um, and there's a lot of things that you could do with that time. So, uh, And a, a lot of really important things, like you're preparing them for the rest of their lives. You're doing things that um, are beneficial to society. You're, you're doing a whole a whole heap of things in schools and you can do a whole heap of things in schools whilst also bearing in mind their, their well-being and, and flourishing and, and bigger issues like that. Um, 
And so when you say, well, we should teach philosophy in schools, the, the question that you need to come back to is, if you're going to do that, what are you going to stop doing? <laughs> or where are you going to find the extra time? Or where are you going to find the extra money? So you need to make a really good case that this is something that's absolutely fundamental to what education is rather than just another nice thing that you might do because there's loads of nice things that we might do in schools um, but that doesn't mean that we should do them at the expense of other things um, and when you look at the curriculum as a whole you find that that sort of thinking has not happened that I think the best way of summing up the curriculum is something that um, John White said and he said that it's new patterns laid over old but the um, the old patterns are shining through so if you look at like classical education in Greece and Rome, you have a broad balanced education into the sort of things that they thought were best known. And that's really what we have now. We have a, a you know, a broad array of subjects. Um, it's very much subject based, even with changes to the new curriculum in Wales, there's still this core of a subject based curriculum. And this assumption that that's good <laughs> um, without really thinking about what it is that we value about each subject, how they interact together and what the overall aim is. So in doing my research, it's, it's that that's, come, that's become most clear to me. It's the, the idea that we take for granted a, a subject-based curriculum um, and that if we want to make changes to it or, make, or think about it, we need to really think about its entire justification. I thought you, there's, there's a brilliant phrase in your book, which, is, which I'll probably now get wrong, but let's hope that I get it roughly right, which says something like, the thing about a curriculum is that it just takes up lots of people's time and their liberty. And I thought that was a really good way of making a point. So the stakes are really high when we decide what is taught in schools because it is just literally takes up loads of space in people's lives. It's just a thing which actually has huge implications for their current and future thinking, how the rest of their lives go, but also just for their, their experience at the time never mind what happens in the future. It's just a huge deal what goes into a curriculum. I mean, do you think in terms of like recent thinking about this kind of stuff, so education is always being revised and kicked around. It's quite a political football. Do you think that thinking is improving in this kind of area? Um, so just to go back to your first point, it's really quite shocking if you think about education as it's such a huge intervention in people's lives. We don't do that in any other way. I think the other equivalent might be medicine, um, as in there's a lot of money goes into it and it impacts your life and you'll spend bits of your time in and out of medical care. Um, but education seems even even stronger than that. Um, and there are practical reasons for it, but there's also it's also just something that we do. We don't really think about it very well. Um, in terms of whether I feel that thinking has got better on it, I'm not sure. I think that it's still very poorly justified. And I feel that my time as a teacher, when I was the football that was being kicked around, was often quite frustrating. You felt that, OK, well, they've thought about one thing, but they've not thought about these other things or no one's talked to us. <laughs> it's just happening. Um, and particularly it's, you know, that approach to a big intervention in people's lives is quite surprising in no way as evidence based as medicine. <laughs> As to whether it's got better, I am not convinced. I am interested in the work on the new curriculum in Wales. I think that that has aims at its heart and I find that good. That's an improvement that someone's thought about what you should be aiming towards and you have that 
strongly stated in the four purposes. Um, at the same time, it's not complete because the four purposes are a little uh, muddled with each other, I find. And it would, be, it would make more sense to have one purpose if you want something to aim towards. Um, and also you still have areas of learning and experience, which is still the subject-based thinking that you have in England, for example. I feel like in England, um, curriculum policy has become very political and very reactionary. And I imagine that at some point the government will change and that may or may not change. Um, but I do feel that that's due for some serious thinking that is not happening at all at the moment. I'm going to ask you one last technical question, which is you lay quite a lot of stress on what you call ordinary concepts and their value in kind of educational terms. Could you say a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, so one of the arguments I have for why we should teach philosophy in schools is that it deals with a set of ideas that aren't dealt with in the rest of the curriculum but are really important in people's lives. So if you think about school subjects, they come most of them come from academic subjects and most of them have a technical language associated with them. Not all of them, um, but all of the sciences, for example, and anything that has a science involved in it will use technical languages, which is where you have words that are defined in terms of the theories that they're part of. Um, so uh, atom is defined by atomic theory. You can't really use the word in an ordinary way. But there are lots of words that aren't defined like that. There are lots of words that we use all the time. Um, all words to do with morality, really, and are not well defined by... Or we don't use them in a technical way. We use them in an ordinary way. So when I say, oh, that's a good dog, <laughs> it's a very ordinary use of the word. Um, but those words are really important in our lives. A lot of how we live our lives rests on how we understand what we mean by right and wrong um, and what we mean by things like knowledge and understanding as well. And so there's this whole host of words that are ordinary that a lot of our, that we use in our life a lot. And that's what I call ordinary concepts. And it turns out that that's what philosophers are interested in. They're interested in trying to give some shape to ordinary concepts, trying to give them some sort of technical meaning, because if you can give them a technical meaning, you can start to have meaningful conversations about them. Um, and because I see education as uh, preparing students to live the most effective lives that they can based on things that you can tell them, um, that is an argument for teaching philosophy in schools, that we're giving them the best tools that we have for understanding and talking about and thinking about lots of ordinary things that they're going to need to think and talk about. Brilliant. What do you think about the future? Do you, how do you think things are going? Or if I could ask that question another way, what would your message be to people who are wondering about the way in which philosophy should in the future feature in the school curriculum? I think one of the things that philosophy answers, so that first argument that I just talked about for teaching philosophy in schools isn't the only one. There's a second role that I outline for philosophy, which is really the one that motivated me in the first place when I was a teacher, and it's that there's a, a hole where students are being asked to go through a broad balance curriculum, but they're, they're not really being told why. And you get this in schools. You get children asking all the time, why? Or what's the, you know, as a religious education teacher, I most often got, what's the point of this subject? Um, 
And it's a really legitimate question. It's, it's really unfair to not answer it. But also we're really poorly equipped to answer it because we don't know. Um, and I think one of the things that is also distinctive to philosophy is that it deals with how different ways of thinking about the world relate to one another. So different ways of thinking about the world, you can think of those as conceptual schemes. And philosophers quite often ask in kind of roundabout ways and they could do it more directly. But how does this conceptual scheme rub up against this conceptual scheme? Um, so, you know, a very simple example is, is how do like how do religious claims uh, interact with scientific claims? Um, and philosophers work on that and they work on sort of distinctions between things that draw lines between things and show how they relate to one another. Um, and I think that that is very important, that being able to give people at least a starting point to start to think about, okay, what is this education thing all about? What is knowledge all about? What is, um, what is it that I'm meant to do with all of this stuff you're telling me? I think that's why, really why I think philosophy should be taught in schools. Not that it gives definitive answers to those questions but that a starting point is the best starting point we have and, and it's it, a really important question it helps people address them right yeah. it gives them some tools to work with yeah that's the idea and to have some tools is better to have no no mm. tools even if the tools philosophers have are not not fully developed clear answers and that can be an advantage actually because you don't want to give people like um you know you could give them whole scale massive theories like just be a marxist um, but that doesn't seem right either. You want to give, you want to give tools rather than big answers. Fantastic, Jane. Well, it's been great to have the opportunity to talk about your work. Um, I wish you all the best with your next stages. I know there's further stuff in the pipeline, which we'll look forward to to seeing soon. But for now, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Society Column. This is the last in our current series, but there'll be another one soon, and it'll be available just like this one from wherever you normally find your podcasts.